You're listening to episode 171 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. In his descriptions of the stages of a man, Shakespeare described man's second stage as the lover. He was describing a romantic view of life that was driven by a need for adventure, quests, and experiences. Samson was driven by this same romantic need for adventure, restless and determined to find himself. He constantly wandered off to Philistia. Through his story, we come to realize how easily we too abandon what God is doing, looking for our own story. Real adventures, in the end, are something we receive, not something we set out on, choose, or achieve on our own. Peter and I discuss how to recognize this instinct of adventure in your own life and why discernment and commitment are its necessary counterbalances of faith. I hope this conversation proves helpful for you and the men you know. As always, thanks for listening. Well, we're back. I'm back with Peter, and we're talking through chapters of the five masculine instincts. And thankful to be uh, kind of in the middle of the instincts now. So, in this yeah. conversation, we're looking at the uh, uh, the second instinct, which is the instinct of adventure and the Samson stories. And so, happy to hear questions and maybe talk through some of your thoughts or perspectives from the chapter as well. Yeah, no, I, I really, really like this one for a lot of different reasons. But first off, when did Samson's story first resonate with you, and how did you come to that? Uh, this was actually the place I started in the book. So yeah. when I first started writing the book, um, really it wasn't even fully formed in my brain, but I started doing some writing, some of it that's not even in the book now that was yeah. on Samson. Yeah. And that came out of a season, um, the church where I pastor, we tend to go through books of the Bible. And so yeah. one of the things we started years ago when I planted the church was we actually started in Genesis 1-1, and yeah. we've worked chronologically through the Old Testament. Now we'll yeah. stop every chapter or every uh, Old Testament book. We might jump into a New Testament book, but when we yeah. come back to the Old Testament, we're in line. And so we've made it up uh, to Second Kings now, so where we're due in 2022 at some point to jump in. But the uh, the period of time that I preached through the book of Judges, I spent three weeks on Samson's story. And at the time, I was in my late 20s. And like many men in their late 20s, you know, some of the adventures were settling down. You know, I had gotten married at that point, And yeah. I think we had our first child. We did have our first child at that point. And, yeah. um, I had a mortgage payment and a car payment and a dog. <laughs> and, you know, there was some responsibility building. And, um, you know, I would find myself oftentimes to be really transparent. I'd find myself, you know, at night watching YouTube videos and documentaries about Mount Everest, you know, yeah. or watching some, there's some amazing fly fishing spots in like uh, Kamchatka in Russia and yeah. imagining these adventures that you would go on there and then wrestling with a little bit of that discontentment knowing, yeah. look, maybe I get to go to Kamchatka and fly fish, but that's a retirement goal at this point because right. it just doesn't fit into life. Yeah. And I was hearing in the same ways, many of the young men that I was pastoring with that same kind of restlessness, yeah. they were finding themselves yep loving their wife and loving their job, but somehow feel like these commitments were stifling who they really were or holding them back from discovering who they really were. And I started noticing that many of the stories our culture is telling right now yeah. um, is based on this idea. There's a whole um, set of ways of crafting story narrative based on a work by Joseph Campbell called the monomyth or the hero's yep. journey. It's been yep. really influential in star Wars and yep. Disney and, and the sort of narrative is, to know who you are, yep. you have to leave home, yep. leave the way you're being held back by family and traditions and yep. place to go out there on this adventure and slay the giant and figure out who you are and then maybe come home with this new sense of identity and sure. purpose and meaning. 
And I saw a lot of men, sometimes myself included, who were feeling like, man, I never got that adventure, so I never really know who I am or what I'm capable of, and I'm getting held back by this place. And when I preached through Samson's story and saw the ways that I think what's interesting about Samson's story is he doesn't take the Nazarite. He's known for the Nazarite vow. No, no grapes, you know, no wine, no touching of dead bodies and no cutting your hair. Yeah. He doesn't make that commitment. I personally wouldn't have had the, that. Yeah, yeah well, you already have from the beginning. Point, so. <laughs> um, he, his, the angel gives that commitment to his mother who raises him into it. Yeah. So this Nazarite commitment that's like pretty all-consuming lifestyle yeah. is one that he didn't pick for himself. Yeah. He's born into this sort of backwards Israelite strange custom that nobody else is living out. And imagine that as he begins to grow, he finds himself more interested in the Philistines and Philistia. And he finds himself wrestling with what it is to keep living in this tradition, this commitment that he was born into. And I just recognized so many of the young men I was pastoring myself included in this restlessness of Samson's story as well. Yeah. Before we even started filming on this, we were just talking in general about, you know, men's movement and men's discussions and, and we had referenced the book, you know, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. You know, it's, I think, 20 plus years ago it was first released. And it was kind of a, you know, clarion call for men in the church, especially in evangelical Christian world. And, you know, a main premise behind that is this idea of, of adventure, you know. And so when you started to talk about this and relate it to the story of Samson, but again, with men in this season of life in their late 20s, early 30s, and just settling down, if you will, but they still have that instinct for adventure – I just thought that was really well done because you uh, actually, I'm actually going to ask this question. What are the consequences of restlessness? Because I think if we don't learn to harbor that appropriately, I mean, it could be catastrophic. I mean, just, I don't know the, the, the stats off the top of my mind, but I mean, typically when a lot of men go through some, you know, I don't know if it's midlife crisis or whatever, it's when they have young families. It's when they're giving so much of themselves away to others that they, they, they lack this fulfillment. They lack this uh, self-worth and identity. And I think it can be a very dangerous place. And I think that really stems from a place of restlessness and not understanding how to properly uh, steward that instinct in that given time of their life. Yeah, there is definitely, so to speak to the, the wild at heart piece as well, there, there, is, there are men who have given up on their life having a meaningful narrative yeah. that need to be reawoken into this idea that there is something going on in your life, that it does require a certain amount of action on your part, that you can frame what is happening in your life under that storyline of an adventure, something you enter into and something you have to suffer and sacrifice for that achieves something better. There are men who need need to be waken up, woken up to that. They've just yeah. lived in this sort of checked out existence. Yep. And I think that's what Wild at Heart was trying to do. Yep. My experience has been far more men find themselves struggling to put down adventure, struggling yep. to make a long-term commitment to something. Yeah. They find oh, yeah. themselves perpetually restless for the next adventure. Yep. And that the indulgence of the adventure instinct without yeah. a proper check yeah. has a tendency to weaken our commitments to place yep. and to marriage and to family, to career, yep. to a community of believers. Yep. And so part of what I'm wrestling with in this chapter with Samson is it's not as simple as to say adventure good, adventure bad, sure. <laughs> adventure yep. necessary, yep. unnecessary. It's more complicated than that. And a lot of it has to do with what an adventure is, what the adventure costs us, the restlessness of adventure. And so I think we're well overdue for a deeper conversation about what adventure is and how that instinct should and shouldn't play out in men's lives. Well, I think 
And to play on with that, I think so many of us are so easily influenced by external influences, right? Whether it be social media, you know, Instagram has proliferated the experiences of single guys traveling the world. Yeah, I joke in the book that so, when I think of Samson, I think of a <laughs> a CrossFit t-shirt and a man bun right. documenting his hike through a Redstone yeah, Canyon. I like mean, this is kind of Samson's. Yeah. Because so to make the point about external, yeah. we often think about Samson and the Israelites as these advanced gods people with their temple and their 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 great achievements of religion and culture mm-hmm. and but that's not the world Samson is living in. Samson yeah. the book of Judges they've just entered the promised land. They are literally scraping out a living in the hills above the plains. Yeah. They're trying to figure out how to live. They're trying to figure out. I mean, most of the book of Judges is raiding parties from these other countries coming Mm -hmm. in and just taking whatever they've grown from the Israelites. They have no centralized government. They have no centralized temple. They don't have any ancient wonders that they've constructed. And they look down on the Philistines, which were known for these metropolitan cities, these extremely wealthy cities on the coastal plain against the Mediterranean. And so you imagine a young man, Samson, growing up in this weird backwards tradition that his mom put on him, this Nazarite vow, and he's looking down on Philistia with all of its wealth and its markets and its cities and its kings and its armies. And it's not too hard to imagine how a young man would find himself enamored with all things Philistia and constantly drawn down to them, this external image of what a more adventurous life would be. Yeah. Well, that leads easily into the idea then of contentment and how do we be to content, you know, and more importantly, what, what is the connectivity between contentment and discernment? Because you talk a lot about that. Yeah. So I think a way of of starting on that is to say, I think anything worth doing in life requires a certain level of commitment. I mean, part of the reasons we make commitment in a marriage is so that not just the the pinnacle of that relationship would exist in a marriage ceremony and then, you know, gradually wind itself out over a lifetime. The commitment itself enriches that relationship. It's the love that brings us to it. But, and you, we've been married long enough, but others will know even better. There comes a moment in every relationship marriage where you realize that person's not changing, (laughs) even though I may have married them thinking, Oh, we'll fix that. And be sure they're thinking the same thing about us. 100%. And it's not that you don't love, you love that person when you marry them, but there is a depth to that love that deepens over time. If that commitment is something that is valued, only commitment in time. I think of my grandparents who they had, there was not, they lived in a small town and had modest sort of blue collar jobs. And, um, I, it would be hard to say much of anything in their life was adventurous, but I watched the ways that they loved each other across decades and decades and achieved a kind of love that sometimes we look at and think, I don't even know if that's possible these days, the kind of the, the value of their relationship together. But it's like that with anything. It's with a career. It's with a hobby. Anything you want to do well takes an unbelievable amount of commitment to do it. And the real challenge with the way that we framed adventure is it never produces a long-term commitment. It usually seeks the next thrill. And the thing that it does in Samson's story is, you know, what's interesting is Samson is, uh, I sort of write the book as a a sensual man in that his senses seem to be always driving him. It's the things he sees with his eyes or the things that he feels or tastes. He's surrounded by these experiences of his senses. But as he goes on, it's those senses that become duller and duller. He trades them away in this constant pursuit. And he ends up sensing less and less and less any meaning or significance. This promise that the constant pursuit of adventure will somehow lead you to richer experiences and deeper meaning. 
and greater realizations is the opposite of what plays out in Samson's story. The more you wander off, the less and less you taste, the less and less you see, the less and less you experience. It's only commitment that produces that long-term enjoyment and satisfaction. And what I try to say is a real adventure. Um, And your question was about discernment specifically too. Um, Discernment is the ability to recognize that adventure going on in the content in the commitments you've already made. Yeah. It's a way of, and this is what I think I would say yeah. to the way we've been framing adventure as you have to go do something masculine and out there and wild, which yeah. is fine. Go, go hunt elk, go hunt. I like to bird hunt. I like yeah. to like, I have plenty of those moments, but at, at the core, the real adventure in my life yeah. is what God is doing in the place that I'm pastoring with the people that I'm with this these two kids that I'm raising yeah. and this marriage that I'm invested to yeah. long-term. And there's a great line. Um, there's a, a poet, a famous poet who is writing to another poet. And the young poet was saying, I don't feel like I have enough life experiences to be able to draw meaningful stories from, right? Like I've not lived enough adventure to be able to write something meaningful. And the poet's response to him was, uh, it's proof that you're not a poet because you can't see and draw out of the things that are already yeah. in your life, that wow. a real poet can draw a meaning from any observation mm. they are. And that's what I hope we can turn adventure into is, which the real question is, if you get to book it on Expedia, is it really an adventure at all? If you yeah. put it on your calendar and decide right. what I'm going to go do and how I'm yeah. going, is that really adventure? No. <laughs> the bigger thing is, can I have the kind of discernment that allows me to recognize that storyline at work by God's leading yeah. in the richness and the development of these these commitments that I've yeah. already made? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I love that so much, especially when you use the example of the adventure of staying married and committed to your spouse and leading and loving your kids well. You know, a lot of times I think as guys, as, as fathers, we, we, we take this idea of, you know, responsibility with our kids and commitment to our wives and, and absolutely. But intersecting this idea of it's an adventure, I think it brings it to life more. It's, it's exciting. And, but all with this understanding of contentment within what God has given us. But there's a, there's a great adventure in the way that we steward those relationships and how we love our wife and pursue her. Uh, with intentionality and how we find the uniqueness of our children. That is an adventure. I mean, anybody who has one kid, two kids, or three kids, I mean, each child is uniquely created with different, you know, very specific, you know, uh, characteristics. And it takes a lot of work. And that is an adventure in itself. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love how you even said that because it just challenges me even more about, yeah, I got, I got a lot to be excited about. Yeah. And it shifts, it shifts the question from, what what adventure do I need and is yeah. God giving it to yeah. me or not? Yeah. And it shifts the question to what adventure has God already given me and yeah. that I need to more deeply commit to, to yeah. discover. 100%. So bringing it back to Samson a little bit, mm-hmm. should we see Samson, I mean, should he be seen as a hero? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> yes or no, right? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, yes. black and white, there's no <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. gray here. <laughs> uh, Samson is a hero because before it's too late, he learns this lesson. Yeah. And it's really interesting the way he learns it. So when he is, the famous story, he's betrayed by Delilah, which if you read the book, I think is partly Samson giving in and yeah. basically saying, I'm done with all of this Nazarite, all of the, I just want to be like every other man is the word that he uses. I think he actually submits himself to into her hands. Um, but when she betrays him and he's captured, they shave his head, they chain him to this mill and Dagon, their God, he's basically becomes like a, like a little propaganda piece, right. That they use for their God. And there's this great, it's so subtle. There's this great line in the book of judges where it says, cause again, remember they're, 
Delilah, the thing that gave him away was shaving his head. Once yeah. his hair is gone, yeah. she cuts it. They're able to seize him. So his yeah. power is gone. It's really just a symbol of his commitment. But it says when he's chained up and his eyes have been gouged out and yeah. he's he's doing this work in Dagon's mill, it says, but the hair on his head began to grow back. Yeah. And Samson, I imagine, like, is are his hands chained to the point where he can't even realize that he now has stubble on the top of his head? Yeah. Uh, but by the end of it, it's the author's subtle way of saying, but the purposes and the plans of God are not something you just shave off. Yeah. That even when you've sacrificed them, by God's grace, you can't grow hair on the top of your head. Yeah. I, no one can force down and force hair to grow. Yeah. But yet there it is. God's adventure, God's story, the thing he's doing in your life is just there. And in that yeah. last moment... Samson recognizes that his strength is in God. Yeah. And he does. He does. He does. Who knows? Maybe it's only a part of what God could have had him do. Yeah. But he at least in some way ends his life leaning into that thing God yeah. was doing yeah. versus the way he had perpetually postured his life, yeah. which was towards what he was doing. Yeah. So there's there by God's grace, there is always an opportunity to recognize that better adventure that he's yeah. leading. One last question, just to wrap it up on adventure. Because those who are, you know, climb mountains for a living or, you know, travel over the world are probably like, dude, you're totally just Which is killing fine, my body. by the way. Yeah, I'm not against <laughs> no, no, it. Right. But just, but not you enough. know, but yes, is is a desire for adventure, though, wrong? Yeah. No. Yeah. But it has to be checked. Yeah. If it becomes... A per, if it becomes the controlling force of your life yeah. and you need to pay attention to your commitments, yeah. if it's weakening your commitments, yeah. you will tell yourself those commitments are holding me back. Yeah. But if you are constantly breaking those commitments, then you're sacrificing something that I think is not going to pay off for you in the end. That's yeah. Samson's story. And the other part of that is um, I love the story from the Lord of the Rings where Frodo and Sam are near Mordor and they've gone through this unbelievable. I mean, it is an adventure, this unbelievable story of trying to bring this ring and Frodo begins to get discouraged and he says, I just didn't think it would be like this. And his friend Sam says to him, perhaps all adventures are like that, that the people when they're in the midst of them didn't feel like they were adventurers at all. And I want to say to men, perhaps you're already in an adventure, but no real adventure feels like an adventure when you're in the middle of it. It just feels hard and it just feels tiring and it just feels like more than you're able to bear. It's only when we look back at the end, when it's completed that we recognize that trajectory was really an adventure towards something better. Um, I think that's what most of us have. It's just a question. Can we develop the discernment to recognize it? And I would add one thing, if I may, just if you're going to take an adventure in most cases, take someone with you. Yeah. It's much more enjoyable and they're the they're there like Sam was to to pick pick you up along the way because sometimes we need uh we need that help along yeah, the way. Yeah, discernment perspective. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. No, that's good. That's well, good. Instinct number two, adventure, Samson. So it like sets us up for uh, the third instinct, which uh is the instinct of ambition and the yeah. story of Moses, which we'll get into next. Yeah. Well, it's hard to believe, but we are just one month out from the official release of The Five Masculine Instincts. If you haven't picked up a copy of the book, you can pre-order it anywhere that you buy books. Of course, Amazon has it right now as well, too. And those actually ship out, so you'll have it perhaps even a day or two before the release day of March 1st, just a month away. 
I've been really grateful to receive some of your feedback on these episodes and to hear how you're thinking about the instincts and how it's been helpful for you uh, to work so long on a project and finally be able to share it is really an incredible joy. And so I can't wait for the book's release. If you're finding these conversations helpful, perhaps you'd leave a review. You can do that by going to wherever you listen to podcasts, clicking on one of the stars or typing out a short message. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.